you like what you hear, please like, review, and subscribe to our podcast so we can help others like you. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. We also have a YouTube channel for those of you who would like to listen there. New episodes come out every other Monday. I'm Jacob, and as always, we're here with our resident DM, Gabe. Hello. What are we talking about tonight, Jacob? Today, Gabe, I'm handing the reins over to you, and you could be a dominator, I mean, dungeon master, and teach Hmm. me how to uh, create a dungeon. Well, then, let's begin. Oh, yes, sir. (laughs) Um, so creating a dungeon and now we we did start talking about this not too long ago at the end of what was it two two episodes ago uh three four some episode in, ago in previous episodes we we discussed yeah last the, time um, on dragon ball z uh-huh uh we discussed a little bit at the very end of the episode where we touched on dungeon making uh and i i believe i referred to it as when you're creating a dungeon, it, it almost needs to be a self-contained story. Uh, and of course, that's that's not universally true. Sometimes dungeons need to simply be that cave in the side of the mountain, uh, the little barrow den or the crypt that's in the you know a single room mausoleum. These things don't have to be sophisticated. But I think when when oftentimes people are talking about dungeons, they are thinking about you know the the lair of the mad mage or the the liches is that one it could be i'm not familiar with it or or the dungeon at the end of um oh oh it's gone lost minds lost minds of fandelvar sure uh i was thinking your your favorite module oh tomb of annihilation tomb of annihilation thank you wow it was been a long weekend um, <laughs> but the, the the dungeon at the end of tomb of, of annihilation um and i think that it's it's really important that as you're creating these dungeons as a dungeon master behind the scene you're taking a lot of things into account um namely theme what is the theme of your campaign what is the theme of the the plot leading up to the dungeon what is the why of the dungeon um when creating something from scratch, I actually like to use the, the Dungeon Master's Guide. There is an appendix at the end called Appendix A, Random Dungeons, on page 290. And I think it's it's one of the sort of lesser-known secrets of the DMG because, one, it's a big book, and who wants to read it? And two, who checks the appendixes for things, or appendices? Um, but it, it actually is... append off. Appendagopolyps. Sorry, I believe that was that was, <laughs> that was completely unnecessary. Uh, we're completely unnecessary. Oh, that's too. No. Um. Anyway, there's random tables, and you know how much I love my random tables. Um, but it's it's very simple. It gives you um, passages, doors, uh, chambers, stairs, connections. Um, it stocks the dungeons. It gives you traps. It gives you what is the purpose of this dungeon? 
And this is probably where I started to realize, you know, when I'm creating these dungeons, that they need to be more than simply um, rooms with descriptions in a series of encounters. Because ultimately, that's all they are on paper for us as dungeon masters when we're creating them. But when a player is delving through a dungeon, they need to be able to ask questions of why. Why am I here? Um, what purpose to the story is this providing? Um, you're, some players will be happy just to be killing skeletons and looting gold at the end of the chambers, and that's great. But um, the Dungeon Master's Guide, the appendix at the back, it's going to help you. Is it a planar gate? Is it a stronghold? Is it a temple? Is it a tomb? Is it a treasure vault? Um, what are some dressings? What are the monsters in here motivated by? What do they want? How does this tie to your story? It's just got a bunch of little tools to help you come up with some of the extra meat on the bone to the story. And I think that's really important. Um, you look like you have a question. What are some of the reasons? Like, Oh, in the, in the book? Yeah. Let me open it back up. Sorry, I didn't mean to have you shut it. It was just like, I... I... I'm curious, actually, what the motivations for the monsters could be, because um, I never yeah. really thought of the monsters having any motivation, unless they were bandits. Um, mm -hmm. But now I'm imagining, like, this skeleton man going home to his skeleton family at the end of a <laughs> long dungeon day. I've got to polish my bones. The lich was displeased with me. Um, it, it's actually pretty small, and I would probably add to this before doing these, but... Find sanctuary, conquer the dungeon, seek an item in the dungeon, slay a rival, hide from enemies, recover from a battle, avoid danger, or seek wealth. So they're actually relatively simple, but it, even in asking this question of yourself as a dungeon master, are my monsters here to find the wealth of the dungeon? Well, now they're probably monsters your players can interact with. You have, you are rivals to the monsters, sure, but what if the dungeon proves to be so dangerous, whether it be through traps or other denizens, that you need to team up with this monster? So even just rolling a d20, we've just found an extra motivation, an extra motivator, an extra complication. Um, we're seeding, you know, we're creating. That, that would actually... I don't know if I've ever actually had a monster be like, yo, let's team up. I yeah. think that that'd be actually kind of fun. Though I wouldn't trust yeah. my party to not kill him mm -hmm. as soon as he was like, yeah, let's team up, and then they just take his sword and then... Yeah, it, it's it's almost always inevitable uh, one way or another. I Back when I started to teach myself how to play Dungeons & Dragons, I would print maps out, and they were often just uh, the dungeons from the back of the DMG or the Player's Handbook or, or whatnot, or just popular dungeons online. I would print them out on architectural paper and I would create just constant combats. It was just long strings of combats that my players had to fight through because we hadn't played Dungeons and Dragons. We didn't know what RP was even at the time. And it took me a few dungeons to figure out that if I want plot, if I want story, there needs to be more than simple combat and simple exploration. And it came to me as I didn't realize that I was simply discovering the third pillar of D&D, &D, which is role-playing. But what I ended up doing was, um, with my first one, there was a friendly goblin. 
and he offered to help the party and they accepted his help and you know he he would lead them places to the dungeon or he will point out a trap to help them avoid it uh, and once that sort of um, beneficial aspect has been discovered um, your players begin to trust a little bit and maybe you can get out of there with that monster alive maybe he even gets what he wants Maybe he just wants a little piece of the treasure, but it's a really important piece. Maybe that piece is part of your plot. May I ask, do you think that this would be a subversion tactic if, say, that you had a goblin like that Mm -hmm. who was pointing out traps throughout the entire way, and then the very last trap, like, he knew that this trap needed to be triggered to be able to get the the treasure, so Mm -hmm. he points your adventurers into the trap like would that be a subversion like would that be a cheap ploy like do you think that your that your players would be upset about that well With you um it, it it definitely depends on on me uh because you know they're, they're gonna make a thousand insight checks on this poor little goblin if they're not gonna kill him so were you fair with your your judgments on those checks uh, I don't know if an insight check would work in that situation, though, because, like, like, it, unless, say that you have, like, 15 traps. I'm saying, like, this entire dungeon is booby-trapped, right? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. 14 times he's pointed out where the trap was. Do you think that anybody would actually do an insight check on the 15th one? Well, when, when I say that, I mean the first insight check. Let's say your cleric makes an insight check, and he rolls, like, a 15. And it's it's a little wishy-washy, but... I would say something along the lines of you cannot trust this goblin completely. And then he will proceed to point out trap after trap after trap. And when they finally walk into that last trap and they go, damn it, Gabe, why? I'll be like, I told you with your insight check, you could not trust this goblin. I think what's important to do with checks like this is to let enough time lapse in between the check and the the moment of betrayal but if that player rolled a 15 and I was like, yeah, he seems trustworthy enough. And then he, you know, you have to be very careful with how you word these things. Um, otherwise, it, it could be subversion. Uh, I think if if you're careful and it's a lengthy dungeon with enough, enough encounters or enough moments and places of, of interest and intrigue, and mysterious little things they're encountering, it's likely that your players won't forget what you said, but they'll they'll put it out of their minds a little bit. Um, and you, that's just something you've got to keep in mind, I think, as you build a big dungeon. Huh. Now I'm just constantly thinking about a goblin that I can't trust. Or can't well, trust. I don't know. Can you trust any goblins, really? That's goblin-phobic. Yeah, a little bit, but I'm a dungeon master. <laughs> Not so, perfect. So then you're supposed to like goblins. I love goblins. I use them everywhere. <laughs> Except I usually throw them to my players, which means I, I must be like Jabba the Hutt eating those little toads out of that bowl. So like cannon fodding. Fodder, not fodder. Oh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's They're cannon fodder. It's, remember the, the goblin thespians, the troop of goblins that were just actors that i just let my players slaughter wholesale <laughs> i forgot about that story and it makes me laugh every time goblins are my favorite 
players will never trust them, and I will use that to my advantage. And that's probably a good example of um, being unfair. But so we've we've talked about um, we've talked about this in the past, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, different types of traps, different types of story plot elements that you can have inside the dungeon. Yeah. Um, do you just have a simple exploration or like can you is there is there something else that you can do inside of a dungeon mm-hmm. it's it's a good question so i i think it harkens back a little bit to referring to a dungeon as the living dungeon the story within the story um if you do use traps in your dungeons there is a a real tendency because of the way that Dungeons and Dragons gives players so many resources. There is, I used to look at traps as an expenditure of resources. Uh, Players are going to hit them. They're going to lose hit points. They're going to be forced to rest. That's going to increase the tension. But I would recommend making, you know, you still want to have a couple of them just because you don't want the experience to be stale. But you want to be careful not to do too many of these things because it's just like writing a story. If you're writing a story and you use a lot of the same elements over and over again, a lot of the same themes, flaws, characters, etc., things can get stale for your reader. The same as you're exploring a dungeon. If your characters are running into just a, a trap, like, oh, it's a blade trap and you got hit. And then the next hall, oh, it's a, a pitfall trap and your players fall in because they were looking for blade traps this time. Oh, and this time they were looking for blade traps on the ground and the ceiling caved in on them. Um, it can get a little oppressive. It can feel like you're just taking advantage of, of your players. And it's going to get stale. It's going to be boring. And I think what, what needs to happen is you need to look at the pillars of exploration, investigation, combat. You need to be rotating these things in and out. And ideally, you need to have a flow, some sort of narrative flow to this. Um, maybe stop in the second chamber and reveal something about the the purpose of this dungeon. We talked about motivators, but what about the end of this dungeon? What is here? If we're here to explore and find treasure, well, that's great. There's treasure here, but why is the treasure here? Maybe the treasure is here because a group or a cabal of researchers uh, uncovered a portal to hell and they did some rituals and they went wrong. Well, now our players are, yes, they're they're just traveling through a dungeon, linear, and they're encountering traps, but why are those traps here? Why is the end of this dungeon loaded with treasure? And now they are not only are they experiencing a story that is unfolding as they travel through the rooms, but they are simply doing the traditional dungeon crawl. Now, could this work as a trap? Because it's, tra- it's not a trap in the traditional sense, but... Mm-hmm. As soon as your as soon as your adventurers walk into a cave, say that 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 entrance to this dungeon is a cave. Mm-hmm. As soon as they walk in, there's a flash of light to indicate that something went off. Mm-hmm. Um, but nothing else happens, right? So they go through the entire dungeon, and then when they try to leave, they physically can't. Like hmm. it's a magical barrier to like keep okay. them keep them inside. Or like some kind of time loop that they oh. like as soon as they try to leave, like it, they just get sent right back to the, the beginning of the of the dungeon. 
Sure, sure. I, I, I think that sounds wonderful in a way. Um, again, I, I, we, we talk a lot about subverting. I would say, did you supply evidence? Of that, yeah. Like, because there was the There flash. would be clues. There would be clues yeah, inside exactly. the dungeon, of course. But, like, exactly. would that work as a trap? Because, I mean, sure. like, it's not like it's not like your typical, oh, you take damage or, mm -hmm. oh, there's combat. But, like... Absolutely. Um, I, I would say that this trap does break my, my rule of can my players brute force their way through it? Mm, yeah, you did say that. So it, it could lead to some frustration. But there's that just because it's a rule of mine doesn't mean I don't break my own rules. It doesn't mean it's a bad play. Um, it indicates it might stop the players in their tracks and they might start scratching their heads and they might start wondering why does jake want me to stay in this dungeon so badly rather than what what is this trap you know there's see that's that's where i when there's things that if if i don't have anything to focus my curiosity on in game that's when my mind starts to wander to what is what is my dungeon master thinking? What is what is my dungeon master doing to me? Why is he um, being mean? Why are we living yeah, Groundhog's kind of. Day in this cave? Yeah, well, like, why is he punishing us? <laughs> um, but if if you've provided those clues, like as long as I came upon like cave etchings that stated I needed something, and maybe they indicated something about the flash of light, and then I get the rewind, and then I start saying, oh, I have to go find something else in this cave to get out. Maybe there are still other monsters in here and their motivator is getting out because they've been trapped in here for 60 years and they're just sick of it and they want out and they're like, there's adventures here. We can't kill these guys. That's they actually what I was out. thinking. That's actually yeah. what I was thinking. Like having these monsters that have been trapped in there that they're mm -hmm. just all desperate, feral people trying to get out. Yeah. Yeah. So, so talk about, uh, you, you talked about, your fellow players killing NPCs. Well, what if they walk into this room and these hobgoblins just throw their weapons on the ground, they get down on their knees, and they're just like, please, please don't kill us. And you, you, your, your players roll insight, and you're like, these hobgoblins, man, they are just desperate to get out of here. <laughs> That's all they want. They will be your butler for a year if you get them out. Like, So I, I think that reassuring your players through through the reinforcement of story the reinforcement of of that role play is how you're going to get them to interact with this and how you're going to keep them from questioning why you're being such a dick with all your traps <laughs> because traps can be oppressive they, they just can't be it's in their nature now you said that you follow the the table in the back because as everybody knows, Gabe's favorite thing in the world is tables. Yes. Um, do you ever scrap the table? If you like, do you ever have just a layout that you want to do, and this table I'm... just doesn't work for you? Yep, absolutely. I'm I'm really glad you mentioned that actually because um, occasionally, using the random tables, obviously you you can get a corridor on a corridor and end up with like a 500 foot corridor or a room with 13 doors, and you're like, I don't want to make. 13 bed chambers on this um so sometimes yeah i throw it out it's the same same as my philosophy with all random tables um look at the table and use it for inspiration you don't even have to roll if you don't want to if you have a vision follow your vision what the random tables are going to help you do is 
populate a dungeon that makes sense. Uh, recently, I had to make a lair for a Oinoloth, a, a Yugoloth that, that specializes in plague making. And when I was making this, it, the, the dungeon generator just makes sure you add simple things like a kitchen, um, a, a latrine, like an area for monsters to sleep and poop. It's, <laughs> it's as simple as that. But like I ended up with a big banquet hall on this thing. And I had a ghost named Chef Goran Ramsay, and he made Varg the Barbarian eat old haunted pie, and he saved on the on the Constitution saves, and <laughs> the ghost of Chef Gordon Ramsay, who I gave a French accent to, just to piss off Gordon Ramsay, who maybe one day will hear about this. I, um, I I'm just sad. I'm sad for it's, Gordon Ramsay. It, it's, it's just the theme. Like, when I was making that dungeon, I asked myself, you know, how are how are my players doing? Do they need some lightheartedness? Do they need some silliness? And that's what came out. And the, But following the tables, it allowed me to create a dungeon that felt like a living, breathing space. Chicago. No sirens all day. Two sirens, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, but still under the average. Mm-hmm. <sighs> um, I was gonna say something else, and now I kind of lost my my train of thought there. Mm-hmm. Um, not important. Not important. Okay. Okay. Uh, let's let's move on. Let's let's do it. Heck yeah. Do it to it. So essentially. I guess we could say that the same thing can be tr- said about making cities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, before before we escape to this next topic, Jake. I, before I, we escape. Yeah. From the dungeon. I noticed that uh, I have a note to ask you about any dungeons that you have been in. In recent games, games you've run, games you played in, do you, does anything stand out? Any any favorites? Anything that you think tickled your fancy as a player, or you know, anything? If I'm being honest, every dungeon I've ever run in, uh huh, feels like a long run-on sentence. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, the only thing that is memorable is my bard talking bandits out of fighting us in -hmm. the dungeon so that they could be members of my show okay that was that that's the only thing that that happened it was in the beginning of lost minds or at the end of the first session of lost minds Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. like it's not that i feel like the imagination of dungeon masters um doesn't exist when it comes to dungeons um, mm-hmm. I feel like everybody kind of imagines a dungeon to be the same kind of thing, like this gloomy, dark, desolate area. And it doesn't yeah. necessarily have to be. I mean, like a dungeon could be um, a super bright and cheerful place with eerie things going on all around it. Mm-hmm. Um, like it doesn't need it, it doesn't need to be like, despondent i guess yeah yeah 
and I agree. I don't know. I wish that the dungeon masters I played with, because we didn't even have a dungeon with in the in Strahd. Um, but I wish that the dungeon masters I played with that have had dungeons maybe tweak things a little bit to make mm-hmm. it a little bit more memorable so that I could be like, oh yes, I've had five different ones that I could speak on right off the top of my head. Yeah, yeah. It, it everything you say is is fairly accurate and I I hate to say it, but I think that a lot of the dungeons in standard pre-made adventures are kind of that. Um that's not to say all of them. I I have a very fond memory of a dungeon in Curse of Strahd called the Amber Temple. And there's actually several NPCs in there that you can interact with. Did there's a lich. There? You you guys didn't, no. And it's it's really a shame because there's sarcophagi that like give you dark powers and there's NPCs that are trapped in there that want to interact with you and backstab you. There's a lich who has lost his mind who I always play like this old doddering man who just wants to help you because he's forgotten he's a lich. It's <laughs> it's fantastic. There's so much flavor in it. So I, I really don't want to just speak poorly of all wizards' dungeons. That's that's not uh But you'll the speak intent. poorly about everything else. Sure, yeah. <laughs> While applying to jobs there and giving them my podcast to listen to. Oh, are Great. you, are Great. you really? Oh, sure. Not anymore. Yeah. Well, if anything, I'm honest. Um, <laughs> yeah, I see you laughing. Anyway, uh, off of dungeons. And so you had mentioned cities, Jake. Uh, I, again, I rely pretty heavily on all random things, random table generators online. I don't have any favorites, but I mean, it's, it's almost like you said, uh, a dungeon could be a run on sentence. I think it's really easy as dungeon masters to look at creating something like a dungeon or a city and to think very linearly. It's yeah. thinking point A to point B. And using random tables, using random generators, what it does is it declutters your brain. It takes the crap you don't want to think about and it puts it down on paper for you. And then it forces you to interact with it and that's going to enrich your story, which is why I recommend doing it. You don't have to, of course, but um, so cities, there is a little bit in the DMG that I do like to use. Like if I'm really scratching my head about a city, I'm absolutely gonna crack the DMG. Uh, I like to break things into districts. I like to look at look at a, a, a normal, the history of cities, you know. Um, geographically, I think, the most important place to start is is there a river that cuts through your city is that what is the industry of your city just like kids on bikes um and and just build outward it's kind of for me it's a little bit of a i want to say like an add experience but it really is what's catching my interest and then i'll flesh it out and then i'll move on to something else and i will take take good notes and bounce around um what about you jake i know you have made cities for pbta uh, urban shadows i have um i of course as soon as i was going to do something um i have made made some made a city um only one city though and it was based off of uh off of oh my god um 
place in Louisiana where Mardi Gras is. Hmm. Why can't I not think of what this Boise, is? Idaho. Anyway, Manhattan. it was... Huh? <laughs> New Orleans? Yeah, New Orleans. Thank you. It was based off <laughs> New Orleans. It was based off of New Orleans. But um, okay. I got everybody's backstories. And what, after I got their backstories, I ended up making the city based mm-hmm. off of what I saw in there. Um, yeah. One person said that they were a... Uh, seafood chef so i was like Hmm. all right cool there has to be if you're if you're gonna be in town like and you stayed in town for 70 80 100 plus years it has to have decent seafood what how do you get decent seafood you have an ocean right next to it or a bay yeah um there was another thing that uh they wanted a they wanted a like big downtown district so I was mm-hmm. like, all right, cool. We could do Mardi Gras or something in this, like not exactly Mardi, Mardi Gras, but we could have a giant celebration that goes down the main stretch. So that mm-hmm. made it so that I had a giant road intersecting all the other districts. Like, and it went yeah. slanted and then each each district was in its own little separate category. So boop, nice. boop, 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 boop. Um, but truthfully, it's really nice in Urban Shadows. They have a layout of the cities um, mm-hmm. in Dark Streets, the the expansion. So I could always just look and see how some of these older cities were were designed because France and Venice look com- uh, not France, but Paris and Venice look completely different mm-hmm. from Chicago or um, yeah. or L.A. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Yeah. It just depends on how new or old your city is as well. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I, I mean, looking at different cultures for inspiration of of just city planning is always a, a great idea. Um, I mean, we just did a city together for my upcoming game in uh, a new Galantor chapter. Um, I mean, we looked at the a lot of the the simple things like the geography surrounding the city what is the industry and you know mining played a big role in that we looked at at politics we looked at the rival cities around it uh how are they interacting i'm so sorry i kind of feel like some of those um even accidentally came up like yeah i think i think that we were all just like wait well what about what's what's going on in this city like what's the what what's the government there oh wait Mm -hmm. so it was so fun to to sit there and be with everybody for the first time with that because i'm yeah. i'm sitting back like yeah this is exactly how it feels so <laughs> yeah no it's it, it was it was perfect um but that's i i think that it's realistically when you're when you're seeding these things your story and theme like you should have your theme in mind but the story of the living story coming up from the things that you're discussing with your players you can just let it come to life if you're collaborating. Um, like I said, I, I put down a rival city. I knew I wanted a rival city. And as soon as you you guys saw that, you latched onto it and you're like, what kind of a government is this place? What kind of a, an industry do they have? How are they interacting with us? Um, and automatically, we have we just have so many storylines now. Uh, and I think just looking at the, the environment uh, looking at the industries, you know, we have a, a big play on basically pollution 
from companies, um, which will be really interesting to see how how magical pollution affects this realm. Um, you know what's what's going on in that forest next to the city? Oh, this is and that is. Uh, so brain power. Uh, involve your players in some of these decisions if you want their buy-in. Because I I mean, this is I. Everyone, we we seated what yesterday? Mm-hmm. We we sat down and did that. Yeah. And I've gotten every player to schedule and finish within two days. And that's a first. That's that's a new record for me. Uh, I think that there is something about collaboration that makes people excited to play, and um, that is probably my now my my newest most important point to make. Uh, when when you're creating a compelling or or interesting setting well yeah i mean here's the thing come it's kind of like when somebody brings their own toy into the daycare Mm -hmm. like as the dungeon master in a normal way or a normal sense you're coming with your own toy and you're going you can play with this but this is this is how you're supposed to play with it right yeah whereas collaboratively we all purchase this thing together Mm -hmm. and now we all kind of have a little bit of a um attachment to it yeah exactly and it's almost like we're leaving the toy at the daycare and agreeing we'll all come back to it together (laughs) rather than the dungeon master taking his toy home i like that analogy a lot actually um but do you have any any other other questions? Because I I, w- I feel like I was very vague in like I didn't give much direction exactly in like the creation of cities. So Anything? I would say number one, when you're going to create a city, mm-hmm. you have to have a geography in mind. Absolutely, because that was the first thing that yesterday happened with Gabe. He goes could you give me a name and i'm like respectfully i don't know why kids on bikes has it this way mm-hmm. but you need to like look at the second question and then we should answer this one first which is what is the industry that the city is known for um because a lot of times i mean i'm thinking in in uh pennsylvania specifically like there's a lot of towns that are named after um the industry that they're that they're yeah. known for minersville mm-hmm. um col- is there a coal town i think there is a coal town steam town steam town sure so like Britain, what the electric city <laughs> but it, it's just you need to you need to have those kind of things thought out and if you don't have it thought out that's fine but yeah, yeah. know that your players might have a little bit of harder time creating a creating a city uh, yeah. name. Yeah, exactly. I'm I'm so glad I that you you said that because I didn't even think about it. The things that I showed up to that session with, like I had a map already created. Uh, the environment existed. Like I I let you guys change and add and tweak it, but the foundation of the collaborative. Uh, effort is there so that geography you can lay your eyes on it and once we had the industry then we were like okay who what how how is this driven and we were like okay it's mostly dwarves and then you know what was what was the eye roll for oh did you not hear it that time 
No, I didn't hear anything. Oh, wow. There was another siren. I missed it. <laughs> I'm um, amazed. But yeah, it's, it's it's just the, um, what are they, the, like, stream of thought. Or stream of consciousness, rather. I'm sorry. Uh, but it, it, you, you just bounce ideas. And, and having that, that groundwork is very important, I think, to having a successful uh, collaborative effort. And I do also have to say, guys, it's not going to be a smooth process um oh, there yeah. were a yeah. lot of times that we all were just like stumped just mm -hmm. kind of sitting there staring at each other because some of us mm -hmm. were thinking of names for the lakes and some of us were thinking about names for the swamps while the other two people were still focused on the first two questions um yeah yeah or people loved the rumors so they were coming up with five or six <laughs> rumors Bryce and Ashley. It was a fun time. I mean, oh, it, it was so much fun. It really was. And I mean, everybody did look like they had so like everybody was really focused. Mm -hmm. It was the first time yeah. in a while that I've seen players like actively participating in a session zero instead of just like sitting down, rolling their eyes, scrolling on their phone. Yeah, and and the the previous session zero that I ran, and I'm sure we talked about this in session zero, our, our very first episode, um, how it can feel like a spiel, like I'm just, you know, rules this guys, rules that, rules this. And now I do have the uh, advantage of having played with all of you before, so I I did feel like I could sort of skirt the the typical spiel stuff, like the rules and and how to be appropriate, um, but. I still did mention it briefly. Uh, we still went over it. And then it was so interactive. You know, there was no, like you said, there was no sitting. Uh, it was it was great. So I think, I think if you're worried about creating cities, really think about opening the process and looking at things with extra brains. Absolutely. The other thing that I do have to say about a city is that you need to make it feel, you need to make it feel real. Um, mm -hmm. And it's kind of hard to do that as a dungeon master, especially if you don't understand how cities typically work. Like mm -hmm. each district in like in Chicago, even each each neighborhood feels completely different. When you walk in from one neighborhood to another, I live in Edgewater. But if you walk down to um, Uptown, which is the neighborhood right over, it's a it feels completely different. You go down mm -hmm. to Wrigleyville, and it's a completely different vibe over there too. Um, yeah. The city has a life of its own. You need to have people bustling by. You need to have NPCs that are just kind of going about their their days. You're adventurers, yeah, but you're not. Unless you're level twenty, you're not like the stars of the show. Like, no mm -hmm. one's going to care about you walking through the town. Like, if you bump into them, somebody's probably going to tell you to F off. Yeah, it's like New York in the Marvel Universe right now. Like, we've survived five apocalypse events. <laughs> we don't care about you, level five adventurer. Um, I, I I would also like to add, if looking at real life for inspiration is great, but also, uh, like Sorkos Adventurer's Guide, other, other adventure books, look at the cities that like Wizards of the Coast has made um, other settings, other companies, other role-playing games. Mm -hmm. Look at cities from like Bioshock, man, or, or your favorite video game. Yeah, Star Wars, The Witcher. Um, 
Skyrim, Oblivion. Like, look at these things and just try and soak a little bit of it up or or Google them and uh, just lay your eyes on them. And, you know, um, I think that random... I feel like a broken record, but random tables. I love to have a random event table at the ready for my session. I, I make them before the session. And then I tell my player to roll on them. And when the players are walking through this city toward an objective, something goes bump. It's an encounter. It's not a combat. It's someone got mugged or, you know, a street performer comes up to you or a child begs you for some money. They're very simple things. But what I, what I think of them is they're, they're probing events that give the city life. Don't mm-hmm. let your city feel like a montage of narrations leading from A to B, just like you're making this dungeon. Think of it like a living, breathing story. It's not a run-on sentence. It's a living, breathing story. And I, I'm glad that you said that. Like, the narration, like, leading from one thing to another, like, mm-hmm. that's where I start checking out, truthfully. Yeah. It's, like, give me give me some some leash. Like, give me a mm-hmm. leash. Like, let me let me off of it for a minute. Let me, let me go explore. Um, yeah. If this kid came up to up to my character right now and was asking for money she probably wouldn't give it to them but okay. she'd think about it she would think yeah. about it and then yeah. possibly give him money for doing a job for boom now you've got a hook to the city but that's the thing and you'll never know that unless yeah. unless you unless get you the try. opportunity to do it yeah absolutely and you know you might catch your player in a just a, a generous mood. Um, and when I mean generous, not in generous in their character's coin, but generous in wanting to interact, wanting to reach out with Engage. this world. Yeah, exactly. And this is another another point for me. I should tangentially reference the tick and clock, the pressure that you put on your players. Do your players have time to interact with this? Is it, a, is it the moment to do this? Uh, it's... Like, if your players are trying to extinguish the fuse of a, on a powder keg that's going to destroy the world, and you're trying to get, like, children to beg money from them, your players are going to have to be like, get out of here, kid, and just kick the child away. It's like, I have to save the world. What don't you get? So be very aware of the pressure you're putting on your players. Have you pushed and pushed and pushed and driven and driven and driven, and you're not letting up with the story? Or do you have time to let them be, you know, that sort of, that generosity, the res- the reciprocity? I think that the other uh, thing that really bothers me, and I, I don't mean to cut you off, but I think no. that the other thing that really bothers me is that, like, you go to a tavern, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm almost positive every time that I say that I'm going to go to a tavern, I always say I want to go to the cheapest tavern. Mm-hmm. I always specify that I want to go to the cheapest tavern, right? It's not in a bad neighborhood, though. It's never in a bad neighborhood. And it's never, um, it's never, like, shoddy. Like, it's never described mm-hmm. as shoddy. It's just described as being cheap. And, like, I don't know. Maybe that's, maybe that's another issue that I have with, um, some Dungeon Masters that they don't ever, like, describe the differences because here's the thing i wouldn't be going to a cheap tavern to go sleep if i knew that i was gonna get mugged in the middle of the mm-hmm. night or robbed in the middle of the night 
Like, I, yeah, would, yeah. I would move up to the next level. I don't know. That's just something that I thought about in, in, in my head. It's it's like one of those things that, like, in a small town, yeah, that I guess that makes sense that there would only be one, one tavern or one inn, but yeah, in a city, yeah. in a city city, like... Oh, there'd be one on giant... every block. Exactly. Yeah. It, it's a good point, uh, and I think it comes down to districting things, you know, um, delineating. And maybe you had that moment with that that child earlier, and he's begging you for coin, and you tell him no, and maybe you don't notice that kid's been trailing you for a while, and you say, I want to sleep in the cheapest inn. Well, guess what? That kid's going to try and get some money because, I don't know, he sees this... <laughs> cheap jake character saying i've got all this gold i'm not gonna give any send me the cheapest in and you know he takes advantage is that, but, uh, is, is you're, that you're right. how i sound no maybe <laughs> <laughs> maybe a little it's okay um but, but yeah. that's a good point yeah i don't know it was just something that i thought about and it's not something that i think about very often um, but now that I'm thinking about it, it's like, huh, that does kind of bother me a little bit. Yeah. I, I think that's something that we will focus on next episode when we're talking about lens, uh, what the dungeon masters choose to describe as they are moving through a session. Yeah. I think, I think that could be uh, much more relevant there because you're right. And sometimes I could be very flippant with a description, especially like, you know, you're taking a lot into consideration. Uh, are your players straying from the story? Are you running out of time for the session? Um, but I mean, are you that, players? that also is something that you kind of explained. Like, if if you need to be you need to be cognizant of the of the thought of the time that's that's mm -hmm. going on. Like, if you're yeah. about to run out of time for your um, for your game, then you're not going to explain. You're not going to explain these these issues you're not going to explain like eh, maybe you don't want to be staying in this in this inn just because you might get robbed like you'll just be like yeah. okay that's fine absolutely yeah um the city's about to burn down maybe i won't search for quail egg breakfast <laughs> uh -huh. but yeah yeah ab absolutely quail egg is my point. favorite <laughs> it's the only thing that i eat in the morning they're so small and scrumptious i need to have a hundred of them like basilisk eggs a <laughs> hundred i eat them whole i pop them in my mouth like jelly beans well i mean i'm a halfling so like one 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 egg would probably be maybe enough. what about second breakfast uh not no second breakfast oh okay no um, second breakfast. i do note that uh we have so we've, we've been on the city topic for a while, and I think that we're doing pretty good with, we talked about environment, mm -hmm. we talked about uh, industry, talked about geopolitics, like neighbors, uh, neighboring cities, rivals, uh, what's what's going on in the world. We talked about a little bit about, we touched on government, um, you know, what are the leaders of this city? Uh, what is the state of the city, districts? I think it's also important when we're talking about districts to also mention, because you mentioned uh, one of your players in your New Orleans styled world city um there was a, a a big festival a big parade that ran right down the middle of it and mm -hmm. that shaped a part of your city um festivals squares parks uh is there a, an area for graves Waterdeep has a big chunk of it that is just all for graves 
and it's kind of this hauntingly beautiful segment of the city where I get to say there's crypts, there's mausoleums. Some people like to do little seances. People like to go and have lunch there. At night, there's strange lights. Um, think about the non-city characteristics that you can incorporate. Sometimes it's just as important to think about what's important in a city, but what would be out of place in a city that would be really cool for my players to latch onto? Like, is there a farm? You know, Central Park. Something that's... Take the city out of the city is kind of what I'm saying. A giant atomic bomb. Mm-hmm. Like that feels town. like something from Fallout. In the, yeah, Nuketown, Nuketown and Fallout. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I yeah, mean, I sure. Um, I think a... You know, the often trope, I think, is a mage tower. That's a super popular one to put right in the middle. I often find I have to resist adding a mage tower or, or something of the like. Yeah. Um, mage tower, um, I don't know. I personally like the idea of petrified human remains in the center of town. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I am not doing that. <laughs> say, but as, a memorial, as a memorial. All right, if Greg's character gets petrified by a basilisk, I'll let you put his remains anywhere in the I'm going to cut it in half to make it a halfling, to make it a halfling statue. <laughs> I'm sure he'll love that. <laughs> oh, goodness. I don't think Greg's um, going to appreciate my character at all. <laughs> oh, he, he will. Maybe not outwardly, but... <laughs> um. So any anything else that you can you can think of to add to a city? No, not really because the thing about my games are too I don't use maps. I like not that I don't mm -hmm. use maps, but like I don't you like show you guys maps. I'm yeah. like you can look up the layout of Chicago on your own. Here's the layout, but that's kind of it. You mm -hmm. want to get from one place? Okay, you hop on this line and get off here. Yep. Um and maybe that makes it feel a little less realistic. Um, but in Urban Shadows, if if it's not important to the scene, it doesn't get included. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's 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 just fine. Um Okay. Uh we also have some notes on landscapes um moving away from cities. Do you, I think we covered cities pretty well. We did. Um, I guess this is just looking back at the environment. Uh, my favorite thing as a dungeon master is seeding the surrounding areas. I actually use hexes uh, and a lot of random tables. Go figure. Uh, base that, that help me just populate them. What monsters are here? Uh, how likely is it to encounter them? Uh, what kind of flora and fauna? terrain weather abnormalities oddities i'm a big fan of oddities um if i can add a shrine or something i think that they punctuate travel so well i know uh, that again, you really like shrines yeah shrines are, i mean you tried to push maybe, that onto us yesterday did i yeah it's it's just like i find travel tra like like I, I really like that you said a dungeon can feel like a run-on sentence i think that most <laughs> you are ridiculous i think that most travel needs to be punctuated 
uh, again, I find myself checking out with long travel if it's just narration after narration. It's just like uh, moving through a city. How are we punctuating the traveling? How are we documenting uh, important points of interest? Um, and oddities, shrines, traps, monoliths, um, caves, treasures, things that you come across are how you you viscerally link your characters to these things. Uh, yeah. Like you said, looking back on the dungeon, you're, the only moment that stands out in your memory of all dungeons is getting to role play with an existing set of NPCs in a dungeon that agreed to do something out of place. And that's it. Yep. And when, when I think about travel from A to B, I have to think really, really hard about memorable moments of what happened between. And think about Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit. The whole thing is travel. What are the most memorable moments from that? I mean, as a child, when my dad read those to me, it was the three giants. They 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 just get out of Hobbiton, and a chapter later, they're being attacked by these three stone giants, who get, or hill giants. They get turned into stone on dawn, and they had to trick them and run away from them all night. Um, it's it's not even about you know where they went from or maybe even where they were going, although that is important, but the entire book is travel. It's, it's you know, the journey and making those things exciting. Uh, try and breathe narrative into every moment you can. I think that that's a beautiful, a beautiful thing to say um, in just in general in mm-hmm. life. Yeah. Um, take that away because guess what, listeners? We're out of time. Boom. Aww. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Yeah. So next week, Gabe alluded to it. You know what we're talking about? Contact lenses. Yes. My brand. Acuvue. Actually, that's not even my brand anymore. But, um. I got 2020. I don't need the lenses. I don't. Lens. Yes. Focusing in and out. So, if you like what you heard, and you might want to support us, check out our Patreon. Ooh. Yeah. $5 gets you base level, which is what, Gabe? Access to our Discord, where you can personally annoy us. I mean, spend time with, er, message us. You know, you can also um, answer some TTRPG questions that we oh yeah that we post. Jake asks daily. a lot of questions. I do, I do ask a lot of questions, um, or at least I try to ask a lot of questions. Sometimes I don't you, do it. You're doing great. Thanks. Um, so, if you like what you heard, check it out, or give it a like, review. And subscribe to our podcast so that we could help others like you. Mm-hmm. As always, I'm Jacob. And I'm Gabe. And uh, this was 1D8. Yeah. <laughs>